I'm going to bring a subject this morning, I suppose, that would cause some people to raise their eyebrows. And it's the great conspiracy. (laughs) With these things that are happening today, which are shaking everything that we thought was secure, all around us is being shaken loose. And there's nothing that seems to be stable. Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 6 to 8, that there would be events that would be like birth pangs. And a woman knows what that is. That first one comes and it might be a while before the second one comes. But you know, they start coming to the point where all at once that little one is born, takes a breath and life's given to it in the now. These things that we're seeing today, folks, are the birth pangs that God has talked about throughout all of his word. There's more mentioned in God's word concerning the age we're living in than any other period of time. And it's important that God's people have an idea of what is raging around us. You know, when Dr. Fossey said in 2017, there will be a surprise disease outbreak the Trump administration would uh, face in his first term, which would try his presidency. A lot of people... That sounds to me like conspiracy. There's a lot happening that you you can't put your finger on, but there's some great suspicions that there's something going on that we're not aware of and will not be told about. We'll only see the results of what is happening. There was given $3.7 million to the lab over in China by our country. We wouldn't investigate what they wanted to research in our country, but we gave $3.7 million over a period of a few years to investigate, of all things, the bat coronavirus. And when these facts were brought out after the world was affected and lockdown took place, which, by the way, we don't know what's going to be the result of this yet. We're just seeing the very ripples of what this is causing in the world over it can cause a great depression or it, it can bring nations down to where they have no resources. It seems to me like the things that God talked about in his word in the last days beginning to take place. Many people say, well, it sure smells like a conspiracy. Let me ask you a question. Could this be the ingredient that will bring about the final process that this earth is going to go through? Give you an illustration. I don't know if it's... <laughs> I was just sitting there thinking, you know, Jesus said that he's coming back again. And he said that over and over and over again. There was a robust evangelist, pretty si- good size, and he was holding an evangelistic meeting, and they had a pulpit right at the edge of the platform. And these people were sitting in front, and he was talking about the second coming of Christ. And he was really... I don't know if you've been in the Assembly of God Church, but these people can really get, get to going whenever the Spirit begins to move. And he said, he said, told the people, Jesus said, behold, I come. Real, real, you know, exuberance. And he leaned forward again. He said, Jesus said, behold, I come. People were, boy, they were glued on him. And he got really carried away and he leaned forward and the pulpit fell over and right in the lap of these people in the front row like you guys. (laughs) And the 
woman turned to her husband and said, well, you know, he sure warned us, didn't he? (laughs) And, you know, Jesus has warned us that he's coming. And it's it's been given so much and so often that now it's just ho-hum to a lot of people. Did you know that 28.8% of the Bible is prophecy? And there's many churches that will not touch this subject. It's taboo because they don't want to cause confusion. They don't want to cause people to be upset in their congregation. If you do not study the word of God concerning prophecy, you are, you're just turning pages out and that's not pleasing to God. Peter said we have the more sure word of prophecy and we do well to look into it. And we just pray that God will bless us this morning as we look at this particular subject. I personally want to say up front that I believe that there is a conspiracy and it's in the spiritual realm as well as being manifested through the human, the natural realm. There's there's people that are working diligently to bring about a world government, folks. And when did this start? I want to begin, we're going to be in in, uh, Isaiah chapter 14, but I want to show you where this, this began. And God opens the window into the what we know as eternity. There's no way we could understand this or have any comprehension of what it says without God's word. And he opens the window in Ezekiel 28. Let's begin reading at verse 12. I'm going to go halfway through it where he begins to talk to this individual angelic cherub himself. He says, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. Sardis, topaz, diamond, braille, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle. I'm not sure I've ever seen a carbuncle. I don't know what that is. But it's a precious stone. And he was covered with these various gems. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God. In the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till unrighteousness was found in you. He's talking about Lucifer, which translation in Related in our language means shining one or light holder. This individual stood in the very presence of God and the glory of God enfolded him. He, he was by the throne of God. And it says that he was perfect in all his ways until in the dateless past, eternity, this individual in his heart had a thought to rebel against God. And so as we turn to Isaiah chapter 14, we see what this thought that he had, what this sin, this unrighteousness that he had in his heart consisted of. It says in Isaiah 14, beginning with verse 12, How are you fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn? How are you cut down to the ground, 
You who laid the nations low, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. Above the stars of God, I will set my throne on high. I will set on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the height of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. This individual, the most beautiful creature that God created, because of his beauty, had a thought. He wanted to ascend above all the creation, the angels that God had created. He wanted to ascend and rule above them. And then his thought said, I want to actually replace God on his throne. I want to be as God. That's where the great conspiracy started, folks. And it's raging today. We're seeing it all around us. So it's from the vantage point of God's word, we will see that there is a great conspiracy that started way back. It's the dateless past. Eternity has no date. But it started back then, and it is engulfing the entire world world today. And there is none, folks, that's going to escape it. You can't go anywhere in this world today and escape what's coming down upon it. We're in the midst of a change that is going to, to be phenomenal. We cannot imagine what it's going to be like, what's going to befall us because of this. That's kind of noisy. I'm sorry. I think it'll help us if we look at the dictionary and def- see what it says to define conspiracy. There's uh, three different areas that we can cover. Number one, it's a combination of men for an evil purpose. It's an agreement between two or more persons to commit a crime. A combination of persons for a secret, unlawful our evil purpose, that pretty well defines what Satan had in his heart at the beginning. He couldn't pull it off himself. It tells us that Satan, whenever he rebelled against God, he convinced a whole third of the angelic beings, which says they are innumerable. We don't know how many there are. There's so many. But a third of those individuals sided with Satan, thinking that they could overcome the one who created them. That I have a hard time wrapping my arms around that. A created being rebelling and thinking they could dethrone the creator himself, who is all-powerful. It it tells us that the star, well, science in their figuring, all their mathematical geniuses, tell us that there are more stars, are the same number of stars, as would be upon all the sands of the seashores in the world. And it says that he names them all, each and every one. He calls them by name. How could any, any, any individual, I don't care who it is, think that they could take God by force off his throne, dispose him, and sit there in his place? Yet he convinced a third of the angels this is what he could pull off, and, he, and they bought it. <laughs> In Revelation, it says that he, his tail drew a third of the angelic host down with his fall. 
So the unrighteous thought that Satan had was this, I will. He exerted his will above God's will, and he was going to do it his way. And the interesting thing is that he couldn't pull it off himself, so he incorporated an angelic number of beings to go with him. That wasn't powerful enough. He failed in that department. So then, after God created the, the earth and placed man upon it, the beginning of the human race, Adam and Eve, he appeared to them and offered them the very same thing that he himself wanted, exerting their will against God. God gave Adam and Eve specific instructions on one thing. Of everything that God had created and placed man in charge over, he says, there's one thing that you would abstain from. You must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That one little, little, do not. Satan come, and then he told, he told Adam and Eve, well, he spoke to her first, and told her that God somehow is being, he, he's withholding something from you because he's being selfish in this department. He says, if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will be like God. So there is, oh, my chance to be like God. He's, he's working through Adam and Eve. And so whenever they partook of that forbidden fruit, they knew the difference between the knowledge of good and evil, but they wasn't able to do the good. <laughs> the human race fell, and it says that now then all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Each individual is born with the endemic nature, which is a fallen nature, which means that you are alienated spiritually from God. You must be born again if you're going to be, have fellowship with God. You cannot work your way to it. You cannot do anything to achieve that broken fellowship except through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That's the only way and means that you have to get back to him. Satan, from that point on, has always worked through individuals. Uh, how, far does, how far does his authority go? Well, if we turn over to Luke chapter 4, we find out that after Jesus was taken out into the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And listen to what he claims for himself, the authority that he claims for himself. And by the way, he has this, this authority. He, he's not exaggerating here. In the fourth chapter, it says that after the devil took him up to, to the mountain, he went up there and the devil tempted him. And it says, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world as the last temptation that he would place before Christ. He showed them in the moment of time and said to him, to you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. 
Jesus didn't deny that Satan had this authority. Because when, when, when Satan beguiled Eve and Adam, they partook of that forbidden fruit, they lost the title deed to the earth, and Satan took it himself. He runs this world now. He's the God of this world. And so he told Jesus, he said, you know, I'll give this all to you if you will just worship me. Here again, I, this is hard to, to envision. Here is Christ, the creator of the world, and this created being says, I will give this to you. If you will just skip the cross, do away with that idea, bow down and worship me, I will give you the kingdoms of this world and all their glory. And he had the power to do it. Jesus didn't challenge him at that point. And he's doing his business today. He's pulling many people into his inner circle of beings. And men and women today are defying Christ. You know, something that I've noticed that is very disturbing is that in, in this rioting and in all this chaos we're seeing in America, I was there was a group back east that were demonstrating for Christ. This colored man was preaching salvation and repentance through Jesus Christ's name. And these people came up and they mobbed him and they started using the most vulgar, filthy language directed to Jesus Christ himself. This is where we are. This has never happened in America before, folks. But we are seeing a people that are so degenerate that they're beginning to rise up against God's people. And we talked, Brian was saying this morning about suffering and such. Folks, we might have to see some things here in America that we never visioned before happening to the church because the church is coming under attack. Make no mistake about it. I was just reading where MacArthur, they've threatened jail sentence for him if he continues to hold his meetings indoors. He says, bring it on. I haven't had a jail ministry, but I'm willing to start that if it's necessary. (laughs) (laughs) They're not going to silence, friends, the voice of the church. The church is going to be strong. And I said one time that the anvil of God's word has had many hammers for, uh, formed against it. They've all been broken to pieces and lie in, in shattered pieces all around it, but the anvil of God's word has never received a scratch from it. It's destroyed everything that's been brought against it. And it will continue to do so. We just need to ask God to give us that grace and that ability to stand true and be that witness in this moment of time that he's placed us. You're called for a specific purpose, and he has a plan for your life. And looking back, you know, it's interesting as I look out over the congregation, we have the ancient, well, we have the ancient concerning myself, and it goes down to the little bitty, that little girl in the back row there, she's a darling. I, I told someone this morning, she's my girlfriend. She's a sweetie. <laughs> but all of, all of this God has a plan for us, and we need to stand up and be faithful because he's going to call on you. And the things that you have laid out for your life, you need to be ready to allow God to change the course 
that you have chosen that you might follow the course that he wants for you. And you're going to find many different examples of that as you as you grow and as you enter the workforce and you begin to, to live your life. In 1 John 5.19, to again validate that Satan has this amount of control over the world, it says that we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world. The governments of the world. I'm sure that you have read for that in China they are clamping down on the church and they, they are destroying church buildings. They are placing pastors under arrest, sending them to, you know, camps where that they'll be interred. And in the, they're coming in the churches and if you're going to have a church, they unfold the flag of the leader of China. There he is in all of his glory. I would hate to be an individual that would place myself in the position where I tell you worship me. Jesus, no, you worship me. That's happening in many places in the world today. He's working on a conspiracy, folks, right now for a one-world government. I don't know how many of you watched J.D. Farag on Sunday evening, the Prophecy Update. I love this guy. He's a converted Lebanese. He loves the Jews. He loves God's word. And he expounds what is happening weekly to show that Jesus Christ is coming back again. First of all, he's coming for his church. To call them out of this world and to bring them unto himself as a bride unto her husband. And what happens after he comes for his church is something you don't want to see. And if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're going to see it. Jesus said it was a time of trouble such as the world has never seen, nor ever will see since there was a nation created. This is where we're headed, folks. A one-world government, a one-world economy, a one-world religion, and... This is the goal that Satan has, and this is the only way he is going to be worshipped as God. And we'll see that as we move on this morning. This individual that we've read about in Isaiah, I will, has an insatiable appetite for people to bow down and worship him. And there's many that are giving themselves over to that. This Black Lives Matter matters uh, group these people that are the in the operating the head of this group they have admitted that they have marxist training they've also admitted that they are praying to the deceased spirits to enlighten them and empower them so there you have satanic worship right there this is all going on all around us the one world government is on its way, folks. Make no mistake about it. Let me give you some quotes from some leaders and to show you that he is working in areas that you and I have no understanding about. Henry Spack, former Secretary General of NATO, claimed as early as 1957, he said this, We do not want another committee... 
We have too many already. What we want is a man of sufficient stature to hold the allegiance of all people and to lift out of the economic morass into which we are sinking. Send us such a man, and be he God or devil, he, we will receive him. Can I tell you that this man that he's talking about is just waiting to walk out on the stage to take the position of the world leader. I believe he's already alive. I think we're that close, folks. I believe that we are going, maybe even before this service is through, he's going to call his church home. And after that, the son of perdition can be revealed, but not before the church is completed. Romans tells us that when the fullness of the Gentiles become in, a Gentile, as you know, is anyone that is not born a Jew. There's two classes of people in this world. Number one, you're either a born Jew, God's chosen people, or you are a Gentile. Well, when Jesus came, he opened up salvation to the Gentiles. That's the most wonderful message that we have that whosoever will, it's not just for the Jewish people, but it's to all people of the world. He has given himself that we might be saved from the wrath to come. That we might be a member of the body of Christ. But there are members in the world today, elite people. These aren't just the run of your mill every day, folks. It's making a living, establishing a home, raising a family. These are those in the highest echelons of government. Just like this man here. They are looking for a world government. Here's another one. Banker James Warburg, the son of council, of the son of a council foreign relations founder, Paul Warburg, confidently told the United States sentence, uh, Senate on February 19th, 1950, we shall have world government whether or not we like it. The only question is whether the world government will be achieved by conquest or by consent. They're ready to do whatever is necessary to bring us, the common folks, under their thumb. We are seeing some of these governors of states and what have you that are fully extending beyond what the law allows the orders that you are to be subject to. And if you don't, you're in trouble. It's like John MacArthur, you know, they, they, they said in New York City, I believe it was, they had a party of 100 people this past week and someone started opening fire. Two were killed and the others were wounded and someone said, well, do these people that were gathered 100 strong in this backyard were they socially distancing were they wearing masks in order not to you know spread the virus they've already said that the the coronavirus wearing a mask is like putting chicken wire over your front door to keep the flies out you know how big chicken coop wire is There has been so much said and so much that that is, is, they'll say one thing one day, the next day or the next week they'll change it. 
that people don't know what to believe. And the Illuminati, I'm not going to get into all of these various organizations that's been in the world for some time, but they, they said that out of chaos will come order. There will be chaos, but there will be order forcibly brought to everyone in this room if we're still here. It's going to happen. God's word says it's going to happen. And it's going to happen according to what Warburg says, whether it's achieved by conquest or consent. You know, we're so blessed because we still have the, we still have the ability to gather together and worship God to open his word and not have a, some military vehicles pull up out front with armed guards getting out and herding you into the vehicle to take you to some camp somewhere. That's had, that hasn't happened yet. But it happened in Germany. What was the... Can, can you see the hand that wants to bring about the end-time conspiracy and operation? You follow history, folks. You can see the fingerprints of everything that has taken place of the evil one. He hates you. His, his glee will be to see you destroyed from God's presence. And all of this business we're seeing today and for that this Ruth what's her name? Gator she just died. And she was one of the first Supreme Court justices to marry a homosexual couple. They are legitimizing what God calls abominations. And I don't care who it is that will say that this is normal, we're to accept it, we're to just deal with it as though it's just everyday occurrences. God says that if you are involved in this, folks, that you are going to be destroyed. When you warn someone what God says he's going to destroy against that, then you're, you're exhibiting love to that individual. Whatever we stand for, we need to be able to go to God's word and say, thus saith the Lord. There's a lot of things being made up that aren't true today, folks, that goes contrary to God's word. You better know what, as young people, you better know what God's word says about the age we're living in because there are those that are in authority in the educational system that will destroy your thinking and bring you right into this new global environment where that everything is A-OK. In 1946, the teacher and world government by former editor of the National Education Association Journal, J. Elmer Morgan, published this. He says, in the struggle to establish an adequate world government, the teacher can do much to prepare the hearts and minds of children for global understanding and cooperation. In the very heart of all agencies which will assure the coming world government uh, must stand the school, the teacher and organized profession otherwise indoctrination to the point that everything will be accepted what the government says even though God's word forbids it. 
Here's another one. What what I'm trying to do is to show you that this has been an operation for a long time, folks, the conspiracy to bring about a world government. David Rockefeller, Terry and I were was watching something the other day, and Rockefeller at one time was making a million dollars a week from his businesses. They've always been in government. And David Rockefeller, speaking at the Bilderberger meeting in Baden-Baden, Germany, states, now listen to this, we are grateful for the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. They had been planning for 40 years meeting to bring about a world government. He went on to explain, it would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subjected to the lights of publicity during those years. But the world is more sophisticated and prepared to, to march toward a world government. The supernatural sovereignty of an intellectual, or supernational, not supernatural, the supernational sovereignty of an intellectual, uh, intellectual elite and world banker is surely preferable to the, preferable to the national uh, auto determination practice in past centuries. Otherwise, there are those groups today that say they know what is best for everyone. That you, as an average individual, do not have the capability to make the right decisions that will benefit you. They need someone with the authority and the education and the intellectual ability to tell you what to do and everything will be fine. Young folks, that's where we're going. That's where we're headed. And it's not going to be deterred. It's upon us. I believe that we're, we're going to see these things very shortly come to pass. The great conspiracy is being fulfilled right before our very eyes. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, there's a scripture that bears this out. And Paul addressing these individuals he was there, I think it was it three weeks, it's a very short period of time, and he began to explain to them that Jesus Christ is coming for his church. And they they hadn't been versed in real deep theological training, but Paul thought it necessary that these people understand what was taking place. So it's Second Thessalonians chapter two, verses three to four. Let me read that. He says this, and he's talking to you and he's talking to me this morning. Let no one deceive you in any way for that day. That is the coming of the, of the Antichrist who's going to set up a world monetary system, a world government, and a world religion. That day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. And the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of, per- of destruction who opposes 
and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship. Isn't that what Satan in his heart wanted to do at the very beginning? He wanted to sit in the place of God and be God-worshipped where all would bow down before him. And there's a man coming who is going to assume this role and he's going to oppose, he's going to exalt himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that it he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Where is that temple, folks? That temple is the one he's talking about in Jerusalem, where at this moment that mosque is setting on. The Jewish people already have all the implements ready to begin the temple worship. The only thing I think that they are lacking at this moment in time is the red heifer, which must be used to cleanse the items. But you go over there and they go through the temple institute, you can see with some of the most beautiful articles, implements that will be used in the temple service. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, I believe the menorah that they have, they move it from place to place so people can see it. That one item alone that has the lampstands, the seven lampstands, costs two or three million dollars, that one item to build. It's made out of solid gold. It's all ready, folks. All that's needed is, is for the church to be completed, and Christ, then it says, will turn back to the Jews and establish the throne of David. Friends, we're, th- we're there this morning. The man of lawlessness, I believe, is already living. He might be someone that we've seen, but he cannot be revealed until the church is taken out of the way. It says this in verse 5, Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness, you're talking about lawlessness, folks. You're seeing it everywhere you want to put your finger today on every town, city, nation. There's lawlessness. And this man is going to come with a message that he can solve it. And because the world will be in such a chaotic condition, they are going to buy into this message and give him the power to solve it because it will be the spirit of deception. It will be the spirit of Satan himself that energizes this individual. And he says, do you not remember when I was with you? I told you these things and you know what is restraining him now. If you study scripture, you'll find the thing that is restraining this individual is the operation of the Holy Spirit through the bride of Christ, the church. He is working through you this morning. He is in our midst, the spirit of God, and he is restraining until that last person will accept Jesus Christ as his Savior, and then the fullness of the Gentiles will be completed, and the church will be taken out of here. (laughs) In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, which is the speed of light it takes from when it strikes the outside of your eye till it hits the the pupil itself. 186,000 miles a second. That's fast. Or, not miles, 186,000 miles That's how fast light travels in a second. 
The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then, and only then, folks, can that lawless one, that Antichrist, be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus Christ will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. And it says here that the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. And God says that with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God will send them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You know, in, in all this that we're seeing today, and I don't think there's anyone can accurately say when it's going to fall into place, but there are those that are working day and night to bring it about. And I read where that the United States is $123 trillion in debt. You can't imagine how much money that is. It's never going to be paid, folks. The collapse of the economic system of the whole world is right before us, and it's ready to fall. This man will have the answer to that problem. He will have the answer to all so-called problems that man's facing apart from God. Jesus is coming back again for his church. We don't know the hour. We don't know Anything of the date, we don't even know the second that it's going to take place. But Jesus is coming, so we are to look for his appearing. The man of lawlessness is just waiting to come out on the stage to do his little thing for seven years. And it's going to happen. There's, there's two words in the scripture that thrills my soul every time I read it. It's going to happen and there's no one that can stop it because God's word has prophesied that it's coming to pass and nothing that God has prophesied has fallen to the ground unfulfilled. All the prophecies that have been fulfilled have been literal and precisely the way that God has laid them out. So what we're reading about in the last moments of time, the last seven years, is going to come about exactly as God says it's going to happen. It's a very scary time. But these two words, but God, (laughs) but God, it seems hopeless, but God, God has the last word, but God, the Holy Spirit is now restraining the conspiracy of Satan. But when the church is removed, Satan will have his short lived desire. You go to Psalms chapter 2 and you find out why do the heathen rage and they imagine a a vain thing. They detest the idea that God requires us to live by a certain standard. They want to do away with them. They want to break the bonds of his word over us. And they're raging. They're they're insane with the idea that they can replace God. Read Psalm chapter 2. But God says he has set his king on this holy hill. David's throne will be fulfilled through Jesus Christ when the church is removed. Now, let's conclude this by looking at Revelation 19, verses 11 to 16. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. 
The one setting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. You know, when Satan came to Eve, he inferred that God was just being unjust because he was forbidding something for her to have that would make her like him. But it says here, in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will press, he will tread the vine, the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There is no way in this world, there's no power that can stop this from taking place. Just like this world government, nothing's going to stop it. It's going to pan out just as God's word says. But take heed what God's word says about it. Be prepared that you don't have to be in this despicable place, this, this place of horror. Jesus said a time of trouble was coming such as the world has never known. We have a Roku device. Get free TV that way. And it has some of the most interesting documentaries of World War II, of different events, how this all formed together. There's nothing that man is devising that can stop what's coming to pass. But Jesus Christ says, come unto me. You will be hid in him if you know him as your Christ, as your Savior. Is there a conspiracy? Yes, there's a conspiracy, folks, and it's in heavenly places. And he's working diligently among the world rulers to bring to pass this last world government, which if you don't follow that government, if you're left behind and you don't receive the mark of the beast, which will be a mark that tells you or tells those around you that you 100% support this world leader, then it says you will be beheaded. There's some pretty gruesome things that have taken place in this world, folks. They showed a documentary after the Second World War when they liberated the camps, and the dead bodies were stacked there like cordwood. That's horrible, what Nazism produced. But Scripture tells us that there's no time that's going to be like the time that's just around the corner for this world. Escape it by knowing Christ is your Savior. Do we live in fear? No. I think this is one of the most exciting periods of time that the church has ever known because we can see the past, we can see the present, and we know that any moment now, the trumpet of God will sound and his people will be called home. Father, we thank you this morning that you have not cloaked or veiled anything that we have need of. You have shown us, Father, the, the, the horribleness of what sin produces. We have seen it in our day and age, in the First and Second war, World War. We're seeing it today in countries where Christianity is forbidden and those that will name the name of Christ 
are suffering cruelties beyond description. In America, Father, we, we have not seen that yet. But when Christ comes for his church, and perhaps even before he comes for his church, we're going to see the oppression that's brought about by the lawlessness that's scattered all around us. Father, give us wisdom. Give these young people wisdom. Give them a heart that hungers to know what thus saith the Lord is about. How that you have given us all that is necessary, Father, for success and victory. And we have hope. Though we see the clouds gathering that are very dark, yet we have hope. And we don't fear because we know that you're the author, the beginning and the finisher of our faith. Father, have your way this day, we pray. Bless us, Lord, as we leave here. Give us the joy of being together, the joy of knowing you, and the joy of looking up, knowing that you could come at any moment. Thank you, Lord. Amen.